Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Hey, New City. It's John Carlos here. So excited to be joining you this morning. We're continuing an ongoing series called Swipe Up. We're talking about choosing wisdom in your life, in your love, and in your leadership. Today, we're asking a really important question, a question that is going to be critical to your life, to your joy, to your energy, um, to, to the kind of way that you show up in the world. The question is this, what do we do when people around us are not wise? What do we do when people close to us live in ways that harm themselves, harm others, or harm you? What do we do when people we care about do not choose wisdom? Um, and as we get started, we're, we're going to be looking at two really big ideas. The first idea is this. Wisdom is everywhere. Wisdom is everywhere. Like, like wisdom, like the trees have something to teach you. Children have something to teach you. Songs, music, uh, albums, Netflix, uh, episodes, like movies, books people, friends, family, like wisdom can be found everywhere. Um, and, and I've seen that in my life. Sometimes the trees teach me something. Like I'm frustrated with a Zoom meeting or a project or a task or a deadline that, that I have. And I, and I go outside and the trees remind me that I was made to be fully alive. Uh, and that I don't have to rush and I don't have to push and I don't have to strive to be fully alive. Um, has, has a child ever uh, given you wisdom? Have you, have you ever received a truth bomb uh, from a child? Uh, I, I, a colleague at work has shared that their child would go around the house and say, don't be kidnapped by society, mom. Don't be kidnapped by society, dad. This is like an, like an eight-year-old, right? And, and, and so like the, the younger brother would run around naked and say, well, they are 0% kidnapped by society. Um, and then if you had given yourself to work and tasks and deadlines and uh, promotions and ambition and, uh, and the empire, if you had given yourself to, to that kind of professionalism, well, then this child would say, don't be kidnapped by society. Uh, how did an eight-year-old uh, receive, like, look at the universe, interpret the data, and, and come to this wisdom? Wisdom is everywhere. This child has something to teach you. Right, you. I, I can learn from, from from everyone in my life. I can learn from everything all around me. Um, even at times, people I disagree with. Even at times, people who disagree with me. Like I've read books that have helped me love God more or love others more, written by people who think I'm going to hell. <laughs> like they're wrong, and that's their loss. But um, but wisdom can't be like owned or monopolized by anyone. I, I used to be in environments where Christianity was like the only source of wisdom. The Bible uh, and Christians and faith was the only source of wisdom, but I have found wisdom uh, from atheists. I found wisdom from Muslims, from Mormons, from Jews. Wisdom will not be monopolized. Wisdom uh, uh, cannot be like stuck behind a paywall. It is fundamentally of the public domain. It's yours and it's mine. Um, Wisdom is everywhere. Uh, the second truth is like less fun. The second truth is like why we can't have nice things. Uh, the second truth is this. 
Wisdom is not received by everyone. Wisdom is not received by everyone. And so what we experience in our lives um, with our parents, with our siblings, with our extended family, with people we work with, people we work for, with clients, with customers, with that, that, there, that although wisdom is in literally every part of the universe, every ounce of the planet is covered in wisdom, every, every square mile, uh, wisdom is shouting and inviting people into. Um, wisdom is not received by everyone. <laughs> um, we usually try to handle this with two myths. Uh, we, we, how do we deal with this gap? How do we handle this tension? We usually try to handle this with two, um, two myths. The first myth I call the myth of information. <laughs> And it's so subtle and it's so simple and it's so easy to fall prey to. The myth of information says this. If we could just give people the correct information, then they would have the correct behavior. If we could just give people the correct information, the logic, the rationale, the evidence, the data, then people would have to believe it and behave accordingly. If we could just show people evidence of climate change, if we could just show everyone the evidence, the peer-reviewed studies, the, the tests, the experiments, the, the, the reports that have come out, if we could just show them the evidence, they would have to believe us. But what we experience is something very different. Uh, if we could just show people the efficacy of vaccines, they would have to believe us, right? If, if we could just show people the, um, the, 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 the numbers, the stats, the evidence of white supremacy, the, the desperate impact of police brutality. If we could just show them the, 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 the numbers, the, 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 the accounts, they would have to believe us. Um, the problem, of course, is that they don't. <laughs> that we are living in the age of information and yet it's more like the age of misinformation. That we literally have access to all the information and yet it's not actually made us smarter and it's not actually made us wiser because the gap between wisdom being everywhere and wisdom being received by everyone will not be solved simply with information. There's more going on. The gap is bigger than that. The second myth, and this is uh, more true interpersonally, like um, it's good to look at truth in like collectively or like nationally, internationally, globally, but, but this truth, this message is really about what we do with our relationships interpersonally. But the myth of involvement is really simple. That um, the myth of involvement is uh, someone would change their behavior if only I got involved. Uh, if uh, if I got involved, this situation would change. And and to be clear, sometimes our involvement does change things. And sometimes information is what is missing. But uh, there are lots of moments, there are lots of experiences that you've had, that I've had, where you have gotten involved in someone's situation. You've gotten involved in someone's life. You've gotten involved in the way that someone has caused harm to themselves, others, or to you. And it, and, and it hasn't, hasn't changed the situation, right? There was like more going on. The gap was bigger than that. So today we're looking at the wisdom of sharing wisdom with others. When do we share wisdom, truth, knowledge? When do we get involved? When do we inform? And then when do we not? When do we step back? When do we surrender people to God? Surrender people to, divine, to divinity? Surrender people to the universe, right? Like, um, I think we know the Bible. There's enough verses about sharing and teaching and encouraging and inspiring and admonishing and correcting and rebuking. But what do we do when the Bible says, don't teach? What do we do when the Bible says, don't correct? 
don't admonish, don't rebuke, don't like you, you see that wisdom is a paradox, right? Sometimes a wisdom in the scriptures says do this, and sometimes a wisdom in the scripture says do the opposite of that. <laughs> sometimes, like you, you see Bible passages where Jesus um, is telling people to to not bring anything with them uh, on their journey. And then you have other times when Jesus says, "Bring everything. Like, get a cloak. Get a get a get. Bring everything. Like, you're gonna need that for this journey. Like, wisdom sometimes uh, is two opposite truths, two opposite ideas, but they're not really opposite. They're not really a paradox, right? Like, breathing in and breathing out seem like opposites, but they're really not. They're a part of you being alive. They're a part of the same exact process, right? And so sometimes the Bible says teach, but what we're going to discover today is that sometimes the Bible says, don't teach, right? So when we're looking at this passage in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7 through 9, we're looking at this passage, and, and the, it starts out very simply, like, do not correct the wicked. Do not instruct, uh, right? The, uh, some translations use mocker. Um, some translations use cynic. Do not instruct the cynic. I like. I realize that this word, when you study it, really could in 2021 be translated as troll. Don't inform the troll, right? Don't teach the wicked, right? Teach the wise. They will become wiser. Teach teach the wise. They will grow in their learning. And so what we're getting an invitation from scripture is an opportunity to know when we should teach and when we should not teach is not actually about whether we have the wisdom or not, but whether that person can receive it and whether it's our role to share it. Because ultimately, the point, the idea that I want to leave you with is this. Wisdom is an invitation that you can say yes to, but you can't RSVP anybody else. Wisdom is an invitation that you can say yes to, and you can invite others into, but you cannot RSVP for someone else. Um, so when I came out of the closet, um, one of the recurring themes in my life became having conversations with people uh, that started with, but the Bible says being gay is a sin, right? I, I, like there are people that would come to me um, and, 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 and we'd want to have a conversation about how I could be a uh, gay, married man, and also like teach the Bible. And at the beginning, I just want to be honest with you. I just like thought I needed to be involved in those conversations. I uh, uh, and, and and also with people that I really loved and really liked. It wasn't like strangers. There were people I loved, and I thought if I could just give them the right information, if I could just give them the right data, if I could just show them the logic and the reason, they would have to agree with me. And yet they didn't. And yet they didn't. Um, and then there were other moments um, where. Uh, like people would be queer, like just like I am. And uh, they're trying to wrestle with it. And and I thought, oh man, this is part of my calling and my ministry. This is what I need to do. And so then I would get involved, right? I would I would uh, try to enter into that story. Um, <laughs> like there were times I'd, I'd go to meet with someone and I thought we were going to talk about like Romans and they thought it was a date and it was not a date. And then I had to explain to them why it was not a date and that I was not interested and then they were frustrated uh, because, uh, yeah, so it didn't go well. But I've also had other instances where I've learned that even my involvement, even my involvement could ult- ultimately could not change where that person was at. Um, a couple months ago, I had a, 
a great opportunity to connect with someone, a, a young gay man who, who just didn't accept himself yet, who loved Jesus, who was in the church, who um, was an evangelical, who, who, who saw himself as a sin, who saw himself as an abomination, and, and thought that the only way to, to live his life was to, like, clamp down, like, re reject, refuse any part of himself that was gay. And, um, and, I, and then we had that conversation, I had the honor of, like, hearing a story and hearing uh, about his life, and I thought long and hard about what I could share with them, but I ended up just asking one question. And we just talked about that one question for the rest of the time. Like it was the only question that mattered. And the question was simple. The question was, if Jesus, the son of God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who died and rose again, descended from heaven right now, showed up between us. And you knew it was Jesus. Like maybe you did a miracle, read your mind. You could feel love, power, peace from him. I don't know. But this is Jesus. This isn't CGI. This isn't an angel, this isn't a vision, this isn't um, a dream, this isn't a hallucination, this isn't a demon, this isn't say, this is Jesus. And Jesus looks at you and says, my child, I love you. I accept you just as you are. Being gay is not a sin. What's happened is that you misinterpreted a passage of scripture, just as you have before and you will again. What's happened is that the church is wrong, just as it's been before and it will be again. But I love you, I made you, uh, I, I, you don't need to feel shame about who I've made you to be. Live in light of this love. Live in light of my love for you. If Jesus were to do that, um, what would your response be? Uh, what, would, what would your response be? Um, and, you know, you're tragically, hit, uh, after thinking about it for a little bit, he shared that his response would be, that he would have to take those words that he heard and submit them to scripture. And if they contradicted uh, his understanding of scripture, then he'd have to reject those words because the Bible for him was the ultimate authority for life and teaching. And you think about that and you're like, oh, so like God shows up, tells you he accepts you and you tell God, uh, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> like, um, but that's, that's where this person was at. And I, I wish them well. And I hope that they experience real liberation. But I had to conclude our time by saying, if Jesus himself could not teach you something different, I, I, I do not think I will be able to. There are things that information cannot solve. There are things that my involvement cannot solve. Actually, there are things that if Jesus showed up, to your family member, to your friends, to your co-worker, to your boss, and told them to live differently, they would still not live differently. Um, what do we do when people around us are not wise? So when we look at this proverb, we're, we're getting an instance where we're, we're seeing God say, teach the wise, they'll become wiser. Don't teach people who are wicked. Don't teach cynics. Don't teach trolls. And we see this kind of theme throughout the Bible. In the New Testament, Jesus compares wisdom, that thing that you've learned, this sacred knowledge, this, this thing that at times has cost you so much pain, so much time, so much effort, this wisdom that you have as a pearl. And to not throw these pearls to like pigs or swine because they're definitely not going to appreciate it. They don't even know how to appreciate it. Um, and and, and, and they're, they're, they're going to attack you for it. Um, I know sometimes there are people that I can say eight words to, eight 
words to. And their life would just be changed. Their life would just like, it would just be a true farm. It would, they would, it would be forever different because of those eight words. And there are other people in my life that I could say, that I could say 8,000 words to, and they would still not move an inch, and they would still not live into wisdom. So um, I think the invitation is actually simple. So let's start out with the invitation of how we deal with others. When we look at the Bible, the Bible is saying, engage with people that engage with you and love everybody else. Engage with people that engage with you and love everyone else. So what I've learned, I asked myself two questions. Like, can they receive this wisdom? And is it my role to provide that wisdom? Can they receive this wisdom? Sometimes the answer is no. They're not in a season or a state where they can receive that wisdom. And just because it's true doesn't mean you have to say it. And just because it's wise doesn't mean it's wise to share it with them, right? There are things that at times we don't receive. I remember when I was younger, I, I was like, I did ministry as a, as, as a high schooler and as a college student, and I would get all this opposition, sometimes from people in the world saying, ministry is not a real job, it's not a real career, you shouldn't do ministry. Uh, sometimes for people in the church who were threatened by a 19-year-old who was doing ministry, who, who, who opposed any efforts that I made to love God and love people and to live out my calling. And so I, I'd have these people tell me not to do ministry. And, and these were like my enemies, my opponents, like people who were coming against my purpose in this world, right? And then about four and a half years into it, like I hear God say, yeah, stop, stop doing, stop doing this ministry. Transition away from it. Um, don't do this anymore. Um, and I didn't know how to handle that. I didn't know how to receive that. Like I could feel it in my body every time I prayed about it. But I just like thought I had to like put it into the category of fear or something. Or, 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 or But like this wisdom was true. God was inviting me to stop. But I didn't know how to reconcile it with the fact that if I stop now, aren't I proving all those other people right? And, and so it was just too much for me. And I, I just couldn't receive that. When people would say, hey, have you thought about doing another ministry or serving in another thing? Like, I was like, no, no, this is my calling. This is my purpose. And I couldn't receive the wisdom that God wanted for me. And so um, you think about, like, <laughs> eventually, uh, if God couldn't ask me to step down voluntarily, those things had to kind of be ripped from me. Those things exploded. And, and I needed time to not do ministry so that I could accept myself as a gay man, so that I could own my identity, and so I could find that love and that acceptance for myself. But I, at that season, at that state, I couldn't receive it. And there are people in your life that you love that, that aren't. So the Proverbs has three different classifications for people, ultimately. We have the wise, the simple, the wicked. The wise, the simple, the wicked. The wise, because they're wise, they have good intentions and good impact. And they receive more wisdom. They're not perfect. They don't know everything. But they know how to receive wisdom and respond to it. Wise people don't have all the wisdom in the world. Wise people are people who can respond to wisdom when it's given to them. And that's a really important difference. Because I think some of us think that the point is to be perfect and never make a mistake. And so when someone comes to us with feedback or with, with an encouragement or with a correction, like, we can get defensive, but the goal is not to be perfect. Your belovedness does not depend on your perfection. Um, the goal is to be wise so that you can receive truth, wisdom, and knowledge when it comes to you. Then we have the simple. And the simple have good intentions, but because they don't have wisdom, they have bad impact. And we know a lot of people in our lives who are simple. 
a lot of people for lives who aren't. And wisdom is inviting the wise and the simple all the time. It's just that sometimes because of the way that we've structured our heart, because of the way we've postured our lives, we can't receive wisdom when we're simple. And sometimes we can. Um, and then the last group is the wicked. Um, another word was cynic, mocker, troll. Like the wicked have bad intentions and bad impact. And can I just say a word about the wicked? Like there are wicked people out there. Um, we can be all three of these at once in a given 24 hour, right? We can do things that are wise, we can do things that are simple. We can do things that we know we shouldn't do, but we still do, right? We have bad intentions and a bad impact. But can I tell you that the Bible believes in the existence of wicked people. You will come in contact with people who you should not give the benefit of the doubt to. You will come in contact with people who do want to produce harm, who do not care about your well-being, who will not learn even if you taught them, who are not for you. Um, and my encouragement with wicked people is that uh, you should um, believe people when they show you who they are. I, I love when Oprah says that. You should believe people when they show you who they are. I, I believe people have great intentions, good intentions, but eventually you come to realize that someone just doesn't have good character and someone is not um, there for you. Um, and I've recognized that I've wasted lots of my time and energy trying to like make people who should know better know better when they, they don't. Um, are you dealing with a wise person? Are you dealing with a simple person? Are you dealing with a wicked person? The Bible is clear. If they're if they're a troll, if they're wicked, if if they have shown that they don't have good character, don't act, don't spend time correcting them. Um, that 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 is a waste of your emotional energy. Because I think one of the basic things that I I realize is that a lot of people think that wisdom is like sharing like an address over a text message, but wisdom is like driving to Iowa with someone. Like teaching people is not like sending a text message. It's like driving across the state border uh for eight hours right like if you go to iowa it's like three and a half hours that way two and a half hours back if you stop for like bathroom and gas and breaks it's like an eight hour experience right can i tell you that driving to iowa requires a lot of effort but it's still less effort than explaining to someone in your family why homophobia is wrong can i tell you that driving to iowa is a lot of effort but it's still easier than um, explaining to someone why transphobia is not okay, explaining to someone uh, why vaccines are important, explaining to someone why white supremacy is real. Explain like There are lots of things that are not sending someone a text message. You are literally spending three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours of emotional labor, of emotional energy in just that 30-minute conversation. Right, and you leave these conversations. You are so tired, and that person is nowhere closer to the, to where you want to take them. But I think what you realize is, I'm not saying don't drive to Iowa for anyone. What I'm saying is that we should be very careful and very specific about who we do free emotional labor, because truth is free. Teaching is expensive. Truth is free. Taking someone from point A to point B is costly. Truth is free, but. Giving someone wisdom and knowledge is labor. It's labor, right? So we ask those two questions. Can they receive it? And we ask, is it my role? I also realize that there are people, um, it's just not my role. 
not my role. It's not my role to, to, to give wisdom to my parents. It's not my role um, to give certain types of wisdom to my friends. It's not my role to give certain types of wisdom to my coworkers. Um, that's not my role in their life. Um, if I take uh, my boss aside and, you know, begin to tell them how they should be a parent, um, that's not my role in their life. They're great parents. And it's, I, it's not, I, I don't even have kids. Like, that's not my role in their life. Like, it's not just that people, it, like, the people that don't receive your wisdom, it's not just because they're bad and you're good. Sometimes it's just not your role. I had to own this with my parents. Like, I would give my parents advice about how to form habits, how to develop their career, how to grow their faith. And my parents just couldn't learn that from me. It's not my role to give that to them. And so I asked myself this question, can they receive it? And is it my role? Can they receive it? Is it my role? Um, now let's flip those two questions to talk about you and me. Can you receive wisdom? Can you receive feedback? Can you receive truth? Can you receive information that contradicts what you were expecting, contradicts what you wanted, contradicts what you are comfortable with? Like I shared before, like there were seasons where I should have stopped and I didn't stop. I didn't receive that wisdom. It was there. It was there. But I, I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't recognize it. And I didn't. And it caused more suffering than I needed to experience. I, it, imagine if I had just responded earlier. But there are times when we don't. We, we don't, and, and here's the really scary thing. If you repeatedly refuse to receive feedback from people, people will stop giving you uh, wisdom, truth, knowledge, feedback. And then that's a different layer of being alone because when things happen in your life, your community could have seen those like 50 miles before you do. But if they can't share that with you, then... Um, you are more in danger of experiencing harm to yourself and others because you don't have people in your life speaking into your life. And you get to the second question. Are there people that you've given permission, consent, um, to speak into your life, right? When we think about driving to Iowa, if you drive someone somewhere they do not want to go, it's called kidnapping. <laughs> like, uh, you, you will go to jail for that. But we do that. All the time. Sometimes we call taking someone where they don't not want to go evangelism, discipleship, mentorship, like like accountability. Like if they don't want to go there, then it's uh, they've not consented, right? And so it's really important for us to be like, have you consented? Have you given people in your life permission to give you wisdom, permission to give you truth? Um, you know, I as someone who struggled with their mental health, it's so important to have people in my life who can look out for me. And take me inside and say, hey, have you, are, are, you, are you taking your medicine? Do you need to talk to your psychiatrist? Like, I'm seeing these, like, I have people in my life that can speak to things like my mental health. Now, is that everybody's role in the universe? No. But there are people in my life who can look at me and ask me the hard questions. People in my life who can take me aside and, and, and think about my well-being in that way. And I've consented to that, which means that if danger comes and arises, Danger doesn't just have to face John Carlos. Danger has to face my entire community, right? And I'll conclude with this. Like, there are people in your life, right, that are not being wise. And um, I, I think the invitation for us is to, like, engage the people who want to engage with us. 
and to love everybody else. Like I have relationships where wisdom is not a part of that. Sharing wisdom is not a part of that relationship anymore. It's like, that's not where they're at. That's not what they need from me. That's not what my role is. Uh, I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to be in their life and encourage them. That's all. Right. And then there are other people in my life that I, I like, I can engage them in that way because they can engage back. They can match my energy. Um, and it's so beautiful when you do this. Cause like, um, there's arts, there's work, there's music. There's things that you can only create when you create them for people who actually want to engage with you. Right. Like Lil Nas, like it's not making music to make everyone happy. Lil Nas is not making music so that every 48 year old evangelical mom is like, wow, I really, this, this reminds me of Michael W. Smith. Like, like Lil Nas is not making music for everyone. Lil Nas is making music for, for those who can engage with that music. And that creates incredible focus, incredible creativity, incredible, um, impact. Uh, but if Lil Nas was trying to please everyone, he couldn't create that work in the same way. Like you need to give wisdom, truth, knowledge to the people in your life that can engage with you, that want to engage with you, that want wisdom. That you can, I can actually respond to you. Not people in your life that ultimately are going to take those pearls, are going to take that wisdom and throw it aside. When we start engaging with people who engage with us, matching our energy, our focus, our calling becomes stronger. And we're also not doing emotional labor for people that aren't going to like learn and change and become better. Like I, I, it's not your job to like make everyone believe correct political beliefs. Um, but it is your role in some people's life. Who are the people in your life that you can speak truth to? You can speak wisdom to, you can speak love to, right? And who are the people in your life that you have to surrender to God? Right. Because here's the thing, like there have been seasons where I've been unwise, seasons where you've been unwise and we're still here. Like even even though we didn't um, even though we made some mistakes, even though we made some unwise decisions, like God was still lovingly calling us every single day. God was still inviting us into life every single hour. God was still protecting us. There are things that should have killed you and me, and God didn't let them kill you and me. Like, God protected us, and God will protect the people in your life that are being unwise. Um, and we hope that one day they'll say yes to the invitation of wisdom. One day they'll say yes to the invitation of life. Because wisdom, wisdom is an invitation that you can say yes to. But, it, but it's not an invitation you can RSVP anyone else. So may you and I say yes to wisdom.